Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges, the business journey podcast by Eden Exchange. Today we spoke to Sandy Budzuk, who is the director of the Sandwich Chefs franchise. Listen as Sandy discusses Sandwich Chefs' unique product offering, how COVID has influenced the Sandwich Chefs business model, and the opportunities for growth through multi-store ownership. Listen on to discover more. Hello, everybody. My name's Gary Powell, and I'm here with Sandy Bodzuk from Sandwich Chefs. Sandy's going to be our guest today on the Eden Exchanges podcast. Welcome, Sandy. Good afternoon to you, Gary. I hope you're well. I'm very well, thanks, Sandy. Good man. Now, Sandy and I have actually worked together in the past, which means I'll be able to cut to the chase and ask some very insightful questions, Sandy. Yep, that's fine. Looking forward to it. I'll put you under the pressure. (laughs) Sounds good. Sandy, you're one of the founders and a director of Sandwich Chefs. Correct, yes. Could you tell us just briefly the Sandwich Chefs story, how it started and where you're at now in terms of store numbers and where they're located? Yeah, so look, Sandwich Chefs actually morphed from another brand called Fancy Fillings, which was around for a number of years. I bought into that business, the Fancy Fillings brand, back in early 2000s and decided to develop that brand into something a bit more exciting with a bit more depth to its offer so what i was looking to do then was to grow the business but also strengthen its offer in the sandwich market with things that directly relate to sandwiches different fillings and a better array of salads etc so and i think we've we've kind of got to that point so it's been quite successful in that development we have now around 40 stores around the country. So we're in Queensland, South Australia, New South Wales and Victoria. Obviously a lot more in Victoria at the moment because that's where I'm based, but we are looking to expand into WA. It's a unique market there, but we're looking to establish a, a development role there or a regional development person there. That's a good opportunity for someone in the future. We are looking to expand more in the other states. We're not in Tasmania and we're not in Northern Territory yet, but we certainly have had some interest in those areas. The current environments make it a bit difficult to travel a bit, so we certainly will look into that sometime in the near future. Sure. And just a little bit about yourself, Sandy. I mean, you woke up one morning and said you're going to buy a chain of sandwich stores. No, I've actually been in um, retailing a lot of my life. In my early days, I worked for the Heinz Food Company. I worked for Goodman Fielder. Baker's Delight, I was a director there for many years. I actually like the franchising space. So, you know, I did own bakeries in the day and I've owned Pure Natural stores in the day. I bought the Pure Natural brand many years ago and developed that and then moved on to, you know, the sandwich market and the sandwich because I thought that that was an area that required a lot more offer for the marketplace and consistency in offer. How would you describe Sandwich Chef's core offer? I mean, what's its unique customer proposition? Is it targeted at a particular segment of the market or does it have broad appeal? Well, I mean, the reality is I think the sandwich market requires a lot more what I consider varieties and fillings. So we've expanded the base to have a high protein base. We've got pork, roast beef, and we have a variety of other fillings too, a lot of vegetarian fillings as well, and a lot of salads. And we have also juices and coffees and drinks. And so that that variety can spread across. So you can have meals at our, in our stores as well as sandwiches, if you wish. So that, that depth of variety, I think, makes us quite unique in the marketplace. And my understanding is that you have some pretty unique preparation of some of the carvery-style meats. Yeah, we do. And part of the development was to simplify the preparation for 
a likely person who would own a business. So you can come from any walk of life. You don't need to be a chef. And having technology such as ovens that you program overnight, meat cooks overnight, not sweating over ovens, the, the temperatures are worked out, the quality is worked out. The oven becomes a central and pivotal point, but it has a lot of technology around it. We program all the ovens and we provide that sort of support and depth of support the back of house so to make it easy for an operator to run. Fantastic. So you can provide a unique product without having to be a chef. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the typical sandwich chef store, I mean, where are they typically located and where are they ideally located, I guess, and, and what size are they and how are they fitted out and equipped? Do they have seating? Yeah, we can operate in pretty much any environment. We have operated in street environments where we have our own stores like you can sit down and have 40 seats within stores we're predominantly in food courts at the moment we have experience with outdoor seating in the past and done very well out of that for example our stores say south australia it's not actually in a food court but it's in a in the run of a mall and there's seating adjacent to, to the shop so we typically fit into food courts but we can fit into places that are on the on the high street really wherever people want to make it easy for our customers to buy our product Right, so the typical stall fit-outs are very adaptable. Yeah, we need about an average of 60 square metres and a counter size up to about 7 metres. We have gone into smaller counter sizes, but to actually showcase most of our product, we'd like a bit of a longer counter. So 6 metre length is probably a, a good size. On the internals of the business, we have very good technology when it comes to refreshing food. So, for example, if you wanted a toasted roll or toasted wrap or something, we now have these microwaves and also mini ovens that actually refresh and actually toast within, say, 30 seconds. So that's the longest time you'd wait. Typically, the cost of a store, if you get into this cost of the store, the store actually can vary depending upon its configuration. So I, I don't like to, to quote and uh, say, oh, well, it's going to cost you this amount of money. But, you know, you need uh, the cost of a fit-out, typical cost of a fit-out, it's about 100000 for the back, 100000 for the front, and all the other ancillary costs. So depending upon whether there's anything there to start with, Cat1 costs or those include refrigeration, air conditioning, etc., or whether in fact we have to bring those things in. So every store is a little bit different. Some stores you can get away with only $100,000 or $120,000. Locations you'll have to pay up to three hundred fifty thousand dollars depending upon the configuration. Well, I take it that especially with that back of house cost, given the simple operation, there must you must be avoiding you know, customised equipment and highly specialised equipment to uh, deliver what is effectively you know fifty percent less than some comparative franchises, Sandy. Absolutely, absolutely. But the the technology that I mean, we we get standard ovens. For example, we use Electrolux. We use a number of different brands with ovens, but we have programs for all those large range of ovens that like Convertherms, Salvers, etc. We have all those programs available to program those ovens. So and we have some fairly, everyone on our business, and for example, in our operations, has either run a business, been a chef, but certainly worked and managed a business themselves. So we don't have any employees that have never run a business, including myself. So, you know, obviously uh, over the last two years, COVID has been with us and it's influenced in a significant way how food franchises operate. So what have been the challenges over the last two years for sandwich chefs and how have you adapted the business model? Uh, have you initiated any changes and you're seeing some opportunities develop in the business given the hard times of COVID? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we have had a few stores that, sh that shut families have gone a bit nervous about 
getting back into their businesses again. And when those businesses have been available, made available to other franchise owners, they've been sold within 48 hours. So it tells you the strength. A lot of people have two or three shops now. The challenges have been really around how to actually get the product out to the marketplace. So we've got a Uber Eats and Menulog. Those sort of platforms have supported a lot of our businesses over that journey, and we haven't looked back from that. I mean, our mix between online ordering and in-store sales has moved a fair bit. So during the middle of COVID, our external sales are about to 40%. And now that the business has come back and uh, people have come back to shopping centres, that's come back quite substantially. So still getting a fair bit of online sales, but people are now wanting to frequent and have a bit of a variety in their lives and go out and actually frequent shopping centres. So that's been quite good for us. Now, are there any particular markets where Sandwich Chefs is underrepresented, but do you think are particularly suitable for the Sandwich Chefs offer? Absolutely. I think regional areas are an untapped area. I mean, we've opened stores in places like Wagga, which are doing extremely well. You know, we're up in the far north and far north Queensland are doing extremely well. So I see regional areas, we're in places like Warwell, Terrellon, that do very, very well. You know, I think that's an untapped area. You know, we should be in places like Shepparton, Ballarat, we're in Bendigo, and so we should be in a lot of the sub-regions. I think that's a big opportunity. I mean, mind you, there is still opportunity within shopping centres within the cities as well, and, um, you know, we're not everywhere yet, so. Well, that's interesting, Sandy, given that there's also been that trend for people looking for a tree change or a sea change. Yeah. But, of course, you have to have a job when you move to the country, when you do get to the country. So creating an opportunity for yourself with a, a well-established franchise like Sandwich Chefs makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It does make a lot of sense. And that's the, re- that's, uh, I think I'm, I'm saying, for example, I've got a, a fellow who's in Canberra who's wanting to buy a shop. We're just trying to work out a place to open the store. He's very keen on, on having a store in, in Canberra. And we've got people in other regional areas looking for, for locations as well. To me, it sounds like there is a real need or they want to get out of this day-to-day life of you know working for a job. And it seems to me that the, what comes out of the conversation that I have is um, when I ask them, well, why do you want to do this? Oh, you know, look, I've always wanted to do this. If I don't do this now, I'll never do it. So, you know, you say, well, well, you know, you've got a great job. They say, yeah, but I'm still working for somebody and I'm not working for myself. This guy in Canberra says he wants to work with someone that actually will help him when he needs help. Part of that success model is to provide that help and skill when he needs it. Yeah, sure. And with the sites, I mean, you were talking about finding a site and Canberra. You're saying you're helping the franchisee? Absolutely. So what we do is we have a professional group that looks after our leasing externally. So we don't do leasing internally within the business. We have professionals that are in the marketplace all around the country scouting for locations. We find that that's the best way to deal with the market. They can talk to landlords because they have experience across that portfolio. They are the best source of the future, I think, for us. And it creates that level of independence in uh, looking for sites getting a professional view and an independent view on the location. These professionals, I imagine, in terms of the deal that they're able to get with the landlord, is significantly better than what somebody could do independently. Would that be a fair call? I would think so. Because they're in that market space, all they do is eat, breathe and sleep, working in the leasing space, then they are very much across and they talk to others and their cohorts within that space as well. They know what landlords are offering and what deals can be done and what is fair and reasonable. We're not out to do what I consider to be unreasonable deals with landlords. Landlords are an asset to the business, the same as our franchise owners are an asset to the business. We want to make sure that whatever deals we do, 
are fair and reasonable and make sense to all parties when they come into our business. And we find the site, who builds the store? Is there a design available and a construction process? Yeah, so we have a professional group of designers that have designed our new stores and are working on a new look for stores moving forward. There's a continual evolution within the business when it comes to the look. It's not a sudden change, all of a sudden we go from one thing to looking something else. We want to make sure there's consistency across the platform. So as we slowly change, we don't lose our identity with our customers. So that's kind of important, very important for us. We also have, when it comes to building, we get three quotes from different builders and it's the franchisee who decides which ones they want to go with. But we wouldn't put it out to, to anyone. We put it out to people who've actually been in the industry and deal with in that space all the time and to maintain the, the, the quality of workmanship that the landlord expects out of that tenancy. So there's a design, a builder is appointed. What about the equipment? We have dedicated supplies for equipment and there's a package which we offer. So the package includes everything from all backup house, whether it be ovens, fryers, cooktops. We have stainless steel manufacturers that manufacture too, bench tops, under sink areas, all the other equipment, including dishwashers, cool rooms, etc. We also have front of house cabinets, bench top items such as microwaves, food refresh items such as Mary Chef and those sorts of things that deal with flash cooking, if you like, or flash roasting of product to the customer's requirements. Fantastic. So it's a turnkey operation. Absolutely. Absolutely. In respect to the actual people that you're talking to at the moment who are looking at investing in the franchise, what are you looking for in them? What do you think are the attributes of a person individually that will make them a successful A, food business operator and B, sandwich chef's franchisee? Mm. So the first thing I have to say is I don't like people who are just investors. So I'm not looking for investors or people to put money into something and have someone else run it. That doesn't really work in a business like this. If you've got three shops and you're a seasoned operator, I've got people who you know run a shop and have two other shops. That's because they've actually cut their teeth on managing and running a business. I think to start with, we look for people who are dedicated to the process of learning. Not everyone is good with a knife. Not everyone's good with anything really, but they need to understand that we provide them with the skills and the knowledge and the, and the help that they need and the different aspects of the business. But they have to be committed to the business. And being committed doesn't mean just putting money in it. It also means being committed to understanding your customers first and foremost understanding the, the quality of food that needs to be dispensed to your customers and understanding your staff and how to motivate those people to continue to operate within that environment. So to me, it seems that we need people with just those skills. So I'm not asking for someone with a degree in this or a degree in that. You know, they come from all walks of life. I've got people who are biomedical scientists. I've got people who are robotic scientists. I've got people who are ex-teachers, dentists, builders, just family people, all walks of life. For example, the guy that owns our store in South Yarra, he's an immigrant with his, came out with his family, but they used to own, you know, a, a large, if you like, grocery store in a foreign country and love this sort of business and the family loves the business. So those sorts of people enjoy that challenge and they devote themselves to doing the best for their customers and getting the best product out. Yeah, absolutely. I get what you're saying. I mean, we've got a saying, if you're not prepared to stuff the chickens, don't buy the chicken shop. I guess also when you're managing staff and, or managing managers, you can't do that effectively if you don't know what you're talking about and if you haven't done it yourself previously. So getting that hands-on experience, becoming competent in what you're doing in a day-to-day basis, and then there's opportunities for you down the track. And you touched on that you've got people who own multiple stores now. 
that made the transition from a single store owner to multi-store owner. What sort of change happens in the way those people go about their business on a day-to-day basis, Sandy? I think what we try and build is confidence. You become confident when you become a lot more well-educated in what you're doing. So confidence comes from a lack of ignorance. So I say that quite quite honestly because, you know, you can't fake this stuff. So when you become confident and you understand people and work with people, you'll find that a lot of people, for those that have two or three shops, want to do something more. So they say to themselves, and I've interviewed a couple of these people, I said, well, why do you want another shop? Well, Sandy, I love running my shop, but I just need more. You know, I need more stimulation to do this. I reckon I could do another one. So that's the sort of comes from confidence and experience and understanding exactly how to run that business. And you find that it is different running two stores as to running one, but we provide those skills. And one of the things I do emphasize to people is you've got to have a balanced family life. So unless everything's right within the family, you're not going to work well within a business. It doesn't matter what it is. So they've got to create that balance for themselves and make sure that they're not devoting too much to work. They have that right, good work and home balance, working within multiple businesses as well. Do you provide any incentives for people to make that transition from single store to multi-store ownership? Yeah, of course. I mean, we would help them. We provide financial incentives depending upon the structure of the deal. The second store costs are significantly less than having the first store. And as they have multiple stores, those costs can be significantly less. And we do all sorts of arrangements when it comes to ongoing costs and charges to those people to help them become a lot more successful. Brilliant. Fantastic. Now, we're talking about confidence and competency. I mean, that starts from somewhere. So you obviously give new franchisees some training. What does that training involve, Sandy? There's three aspects to training. First of all is to understand what the person, how they think as as an individual. Some people are very comfortable working in back of house and a little bit shy. Other people are a lot more upfront and not as confident in back of house. So the way we work that out is to get them into a store, into one of our training stores, and have them work in a store for a little while and just see what they're like. And then we do an assessment with an existing franchisee and to understand how these people are going. We can then model the training program to suit them. So if they're a bit light on in some areas that require a lot more training and attention, we certainly devote time to that. If their personality skills are such that they find it difficult in dealing with front of house as much as they would like, we try and work with that as well. So we find a good competent store manager or someone like that to balance them within their business. So not everyone is out there able to openly talk to people, but it does happen. You know, I'm quite surprised with some people. Some people come in looking really shy, then you come back three months later and all of a sudden, you know, the customers are loving them. They're calling them by their first name. It's it's a fun place to be and, you know, it's a joyous place to be in as opposed to people coming to I me. Mean, people come to our, our stores from humdrum lives I see, and um, they want to be served and have a bit of entertainment. So one of the things I like to make sure is that they enjoy our food, but also enjoy our custom as well. We touched on before, I mean, there's the small footprint and a very cost-effective fit-out. What is the actual cost of getting involved in a Sandwich Chefs franchise? And how does that compare to other similar franchise models, Sandy? Well, to be perfectly honest, some of the costs, um, when I look at them across the board, they're kind of similar. I mean, but if you look at our stores when it comes to buying a franchise, typically the cost of a franchise is about $280,000 in that range. But, you know, if you've got a store that's in a kiosk, for example, have a store in a kiosk in Warren Ponds, that goes extremely well. But that leads a little bit more cost sometimes because every part of that business is exposed to the public. So there's back wall that is exposed, there's partial walls that are certain heights, there's 
special requirements when it comes to dealing with acrid, acrid smoke coming from the oven. Those sort of treatments that need to be worked into that cost. So that cost could be a little bit more. There are other places where the cost can be, depending upon if there's partial fit outs, we'd go into some stores where someone's left the site and the back of house is still there and we can reuse some of that portion. So the cost of going into that might be, you know, as low as $150,000. So we actually try and minimise the unnecessary costs as much as possible. With that investment, do you assist franchisees in obtaining finance? I'm not a financier or a banker, but when people say, look, can you help us with finance? I try to understand what that means for them. So if they've got nothing, it's very difficult to finance nothing. No one will do that. If they've got some form of asset, it's better if they've got property or some other asset. A bank will always ask for the same thing. I always suggest to people that they talk to their bankers and financiers directly and work out ways that they can draw down on their on their properties and have a facility in place that allows them to buy a business. It's very difficult to buy a business when you actually go to a bank these days and say you want to invest in a business because the bank will normally shy away from that. But if you offer good security to help the bank make that decision, it usually becomes a lot easier. Now, the financial model, uh, there are aspects around the financial model that are particularly appealing and for sandwich chefs. Yeah. And what is the financial model and how do you make money out of the business, Sandy? Businesses make money when all the key costs, for example, the fixed costs, make sense. So paying too much for rent in a store that doesn't make a lot of money is not good. Paying the right rent so that the, the costs that are fixed in the business are the rent. So unless we can do decent rental deals, it's very difficult to make money in that sort of environment. So I would always look to get the best rental deal we can in the environment and make sure that we have the other fixed costs associated with the business maximised, not overstaffing the business, so not having too many people that you have to pay money to to run the business and becoming a lot more understanding about what the real needs of a business are, given the fact that there is a certain level of custom that's required. Understanding what the finance costs are, so understanding what commitments they have for mortgage costs, finance costs, etc. So they can meet those requirements. And then after that, it's devoted to making good quality product at a profit. We generally like to see our cost of goods at around 30% or less, between 27 and 30%. Our labour costs, we like to keep at around 24% to 30% within that range, depending upon the business structure and size. And the rest is rent. Um, we like to keep rent at around 20% if we can or below. And we look to make maximise as much profit for the owner as, as possible. Sure. And with those major costs, especially around the cost of goods, do you manage the purchase prices and the supplier relationships? Yeah, we do. We have supplier relationships in place and we try and get the best prices, particularly for all items. But, you know, the, the key items which we use lots of, the meats, and condiments, those sorts of costs and bread costs. We obviously want to keep those costs at the best prices we can for the marketplace. So, and our cost of goods has to be, you know, as I say, around the 30% so that the profitability needs to be maximised. Okay. And so you manage that aspect of the business actively with the franchisees in terms of, you know, that cost of goods and the pricing of the product? Absolutely. And we set recommended prices. We cost the products, test the products, test them in the marketplace, look at consumer feedback, and look at the return on investment for each of those products. If, for example, there's a massive increase in some of those essential items, we looked at comparative items or items that can be substituted to maximise that profitability and maintain that profitability for the owner. 
Yeah, fantastic. And, and with uh, some of the supply issues around Australia at the moment, I guess your flexibility and that philosophy around the product means you're probably avoiding some of the issues that other food players are facing at the moment. Well, I have to say that one of the key issues for us is delivery. Right now, we used to go from two or three deliveries a week. In some cases, we're getting down to one delivery a week. But in doing that, we're trying to change the way in which our ordering structure works to help our suppliers as well. So with our suppliers, we change the way in which we order, we change the way in which we store products so we can maximise still the quality and freshness of the product and also make it a lot easier for our suppliers to bring the product to our stores. So we're not running out of product. We've been able to work with our suppliers to get deliveries around their ability to be able to deliver to us without putting too much strain on them. Sandwich Chefs is an organisation. All organisations have a culture. Sandy, how would you best describe the culture of Sandwich Chefs? Well, I would say at store level, very inclusive. I own the business and I want to make sure that if there's any issues that people are concerned about, they can come to me. There's no middleman. There's no, well, I need to talk to so-and-so. I mean, when it comes to specific areas of expertise, I will call upon those expertise and help our franchise owners directly. If they have issues in relation to certain aspects that are happening around them and their environment, they can come to me and there's not an issue about that. My concern is to make sure that they're able to drive and run their businesses effectively with as little concern about other ancillary issues as possible. Not always possible, but in this environment, that's one of the key things is to keep people positive and focused and to work with them. And I go and see them and talk to them about what issues are concerning them as people and to make sure that they're able to be able to concentrate on maintaining a good quality business as well as a good balance with their family life. Fantastic. And you provide ongoing support with field supervisors, Sandy? Yes, we do. The issue with our field people, I mean, just to give you an example, where we've had a store that has been hit with COVID and one of the owners is ill, our people have jumped in and helped to run that business and helped to manage that business and help families through this trying time. So rather than have the business shut entirely, I mean, we weren't operating it within a safe COVID environment, let me say, but we are looking to maintain the continual viability of the business through these testing times and making sure that those people can go and rest and recuperate and come back to business when they're better. And marketing support? Yes, we have marketing support. We obviously use the social media as everyone else does. I think in this environment, it's really working out how to invest those funds in marketing. See marketing not as a cost, but as an investment to invest those funds to maximise the return at store level. So, and I am very cognizant of the fact that as we come out of this COVID environment, we need to make sure our stores are doing a little bit more local marketing and an understanding of what those markets look like for them and their environment. I do encourage them to meet with local sporting groups and any other group that they have within their sphere of custom to make sure that they can offer some sort of things at local level to also market their business, but also offer things that can be used to um, help some of those sporting clubs. Yeah, and, and create a, a local brand as well as the national brand. Absolutely. Now, Sandy, you made the leap from an employee to a business owner. And obviously, a lot of people you talk to in the discussion, step one, the person has to make this decision that I'm going to leave the security of full-time employment and become an independent business owner under the umbrella of a franchise. When you're talking to people, you've had a lot of experience in business investment. What advice can you give to anybody, regardless of whether it's sandwich chefs or a lawn mowing around, hmm. making that decision to invest in a business. What advice would you give to somebody? I would say talk to people within the business. Understand how other people have made decisions to get involved in a business. 
it's not good enough to just say, look, it looks good on paper and I've seen one shop. That doesn't work. You've really got to spend some time with the owners. You've got to spend some time with our people. I don't have an exclusive list of people you can't talk to and you can talk to anyone you like and get any opinion you like. But I think that at the end of the day, once you've done that, there's a point at which you say, I'm ready to do this. I want to help people make a decision that suits them. So if at the end of all that, they feel that they're not ready, then that's the best decision they should make. They're not ready. If they feel at the end of that, that they'd like to take that leap of faith. Uh, It's not a leap of faith that is based on ignorance, but a leap of faith based on knowledge and based on the things that they found out. There's some things that they haven't asked. I'll make sure that they ask those questions. So I want to understand how they actually come about uh, their decision. If they see, even if they want to buy a business, I know I have to say I've knocked people back from buying a business because they haven't done that. Even though they've you know, said, look, they really want to do it, I say, well, you really haven't invested enough in understanding what it is you really want, and it's a dangerous thing to do. So you need to go out and understand the people you're working with, have confidence in that, and then at some stage you'll need to make a decision. But it's an informed decision. It's not an ill-informed decision. It's an informed decision. And you help people making that decision with sandwich chefs in terms of disclosure and information? Absolutely. Full disclosure and information packs. When it comes to actually giving information, it's not just giving information, but also understanding where they want to live. For example, I have some people that say, look, I'm sick of living here in Victoria or whatever. Sandy, have you got something in Queensland I can go to? I say, well, okay, where do you, do you want to live? I say, well, I like to live up. So have you been there yet? No, I haven't. I say, well, no, that's not good enough. You need to go up there. And spend some time and see if you like that environment. See if your wife likes the environment and then be sure that's what you want to do. Worst decision you can make is to make that decision and find out that you're miserable because you haven't actually done your work on deciding you want to live there. That's a big decision. But there's huge opportunities out there and some lovely places to live if you want to be there. And uh, we can provide those opportunities. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Sandy. Sandwich Chefs sounds like a pretty amazing opportunity for somebody to invest in, especially if you're coming into business for the first time. Now, for anyone listening to this podcast who's keen to put their name down for more information, there is a button beneath this podcast to submit your inquiry and the team at Sandwich S will get the ball rolling as soon as possible and, and get you started on your business and franchising journey. Thanks again, Sandy, for joining us today and we wish you all the success in your Sandwich Chef's business and developing it further. You've done some amazing things so far mm. and we hope to hear from you again soon. Thank you very much, Gary, and lovely to talk to you. And thanks very much, mate, and uh, all the best. Thanks, Andy. Cheers, mate. Eden Exchanges is brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Sandy Buzjuk, who is the director of the Sandwich Chefs franchise. To find out more about Sandy and the Sandwich Chefs franchise, or to discover other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to our networking website, www.businessbyinvest.com. You can also subscribe to this series on iTunes or Stitches if you're using Android. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for recent info on the buying, selling, and investing world. Thanks for listening.